Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. Great to be back with you, folks. I certainly hope that uh, this broadcast is finding you in a good place, serving God well, feeling good. Uh, just a shout out to those of you who are just faithful, always coming on, listening to this podcast. We're we're just thrilled to say you're part of our uh, part of our group here, part of our community, uh, doing a devotion with us on this morning. And uh, so, with me as always. Now that's not the case today. So. Uh, we gave Miss Stephanie a day or two off here. With me is my dear brother, Zach, and I wanted you guys to meet Zach Knight. He's a missionary with Wounded Spirits. He's uh, he's one of us. He's working along. He works with Stephanie and I. He actually lives out there in Indiana where the retreat's going to be, and Zach's a dad. He's an Army veteran and things like that. But before we get going with Zach, and this has nothing to do with Zach, uh, but we name a characteristic of PTSD. So I have a list of characteristics. So if Zach happens to suffer from this one, it's just luck of the draw. I don't exactly know. Zach's going to share his testimony with us. I'm going to ask him a bunch of questions. You're going to get to know Zach and what PTSD looks like in an Army infantryman. And uh, so praise God, he was in the Army. He was right with God with his branch of service here. And uh, so just hang with us, and uh, we're going to go ahead and and, uh, talk about this characteristic, though, first. And so one of the characteristics I've been wanting to share is next on my list is is those people who suffer from a traumatic brain injury, uh, something trauma that happened to their body, a trauma that happened, and, and maybe our thought process isn't as cognitive as we'd like it to be. And uh, so the Bible doesn't uh, doesn't stay silent on this matter. It talks about traumas. It talks about things we got to do. And for people, when there's a change in our life, so when there's a change due to a, a brain injury or a trauma or something bad happens to your body and your psyche, uh, it's it's sometimes letting go of little pieces of our life or searching for those things are really hard. So I wrote down a couple verses that I think helped me. Many of you know that I was in a, a helicopter accident and my feet, my face smashed and see, I'm calling it feet. So that's how bad that was for me. Uh, but if you get up close to my face, you'll see some scarring and some different things like that. Broke 18 teeth in half, broke my neck, collapsed the lung, things of that nature. And one of the hardest things to do is to rebuild from there, getting that cognitive awareness back and, you know, work on one of the things that folks like me want to do is we want to uh, sit back, maybe not do all those things we should be doing and blame it. Well, I, you know, I've lost some of my cognitive function. Well, that's not the God we know. The God we know wants us to cast all our care in First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. And, uh, and, and knowing that, I, I love the Psalms. I always quote Psalm 34, 6, uh, 
this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his, all his trouble. And that's me. And then over in Psalms 107, starting in verse 13, it says, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and brake their bands in sunder. Oh, that man would praise the Lord his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass and have cut the bars of iron asunder. So uh, clearly, Zach, what we're seeing there is God is saying, I can break down these strongholds. I can, I can help you with what you're going through. These gates can be broken down. I can make a difference in your life. I can do different things. And uh, so knowing all that, folks, I just want to say as we wrap up this thing, and maybe we'll look at it right at the end of the podcast again, is remember, cast your care on God. And sometimes we want to fight all the time to return to those cognitive things. or And God gives them back. He does. He's helped me uh, with my memories. He's helped me be, uh, I think, sharp, maybe not as sharp as I once was. Uh, but certainly going to God, crying out to him in our trouble, casting our care upon him, he could take care of that. So I promise you with me is Zach Knight, uh, a missionary. So Zach, so... Um, you joined the army. Now, tell us about that. Tell us about your life leading up to that. Where, where were you raised, Brother Zach? Well, I was raised in West Virginia. Uh, I came from a broken home, um, and we didn't go to church um, very often. Maybe we were creasters. I call them creasters. We went on Christmas and Easter. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, my life got flipped upside down when I was 15, getting ready to turn 16. My dad got diagnosed with brain cancer and a whole bunch of other cancers. And he went through chemo. And then in 2002 or 2003, he passed away when I was 16. Wow. So, um, so I moved to, I moved to Connecticut, which you're familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I graduated in 2005. Um, after graduation, I moved back to West Virginia, my home state. And then uh, I started dating my now wife, Katie. And, and she's the one that actually got me to go to church. She said, uh, we couldn't we couldn't uh, date or see each other if I didn't go to church, and so I reluctantly went the first time, and then I kept going because it was so good. And then um, uh, the fall of 2005, I got saved. Um, our friend uh, Byron Fox was preaching a revival. Yeah. And uh, and the the sermon Sunday school, he had an invitation. He said, "Anyone knows they're going to heaven, raise their hand." And I raised my hand. And then uh, Sunday morning service, he uh, he preached about how we're in Jesus's hand and Jesus is in his father's hand and no one can pluck us from his hand. And that really convicted me. And so uh, that invitation, he said, if you know you're going to heaven, raise your hand. And I didn't raise my hand because the Lord convicted me. And then so I went up and my father-in-law actually led me to the Lord. Um, he, well, he wasn't my father-in-law then. So then I decided I always wanted to join the military. My dad was in the army, retired. And so December, I signed the papers. Um, and then January of 2006, I went to basic training at Fort Sill. And I do, uh, I'm a artilleryman, not an infantryman. Oh, man. Battle. Sorry about that. I don't, I don't want to take that away from you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then I, we, we got engaged Christmas, I think it was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day of 2005. I went to basic training in 2006, and I was supposed to get hometown recruiter after I graduated AIT. Well, so we were ex expecting four total weeks home, 
Um, but I was only two weeks, so we had to hurry up and get married because we knew we wanted to get married. So on June 2nd, 2006, we got married. And then we got stationed at Fort Drum, New York. I say the coldest place on earth because it was freezing up there. It's cold. Yeah. And uh, so in June of 2006 was my report date. And then in August of 2006, I was in Afghanistan. And so uh, that first that first tour I did was 10 months, but we got extended for four months um, because of the surge. And um, that's that's where I thought I got PTSD um, from from combat. But now the more that I learn about it and what causes it, I think um, my first uh, I guess we call it complex PTSD is where it's more than one yeah. uh, trauma. Um, my dad, when we found out he was diagnosed with cancer, he had a stroke right in front of me, and that oh. that scared me, I guess. So uh, looking back now, I can see that that was one thing. But uh, getting shot at in Afghanistan uh, is exciting at first because your adrenaline's rushing, and you're just trying to, to s- survive. And so after that tour... Um, and getting in firefights a lot was uh that was troubling and then so i did two more tours after that um in between tours we had our children um their deployment babies we get back from a, a tour and we had a kid um yeah so i did uh eight years almost nine in in four drum and then i got out and i got a truck driving job which was not good for me um, being away um, by yourself a lot. And then uh, finally I hit a breaking point when I was getting angry at Katie and the kids just for simple things. And um, I hit that low point and I just gave, gave, gave my life to God. And um, once I did that and submitted to him, things started to turn around. Um, I got a better job close to home, was home for Wednesdays and Sundays so I could go to church. Um, yeah. And and that was the best decision actually. Given giving it up to him, like you said, cast your burdens on him. Yeah. And uh so that was good. Um and then we got more involved in the church. Um started Katie started teaching Sunday school and then I started um helping with our kids club at night. First it was King's Kids and then we did Masters Club. And then uh, there was an opening on our church's bus um, to go pick up the kids and people who needed to rise to church because the bus captain and his wife were are actually missionaries to the UK and they were starting deputation. So um, Kate and I took that over and that's where God burned me for the ministry. Um, we took kids to church camp and that's where he burned me to preach and to be a youth leader. And then it was February or May of last year when uh, I wanted to go full-time in the ministry. Yeah. Uh, I worked for waste management, and I, I, I hated the job. Three o'clock in the morning is not a good time to get up to go to work. Mm. And so that was just wearing me down. And I said, and I, I told Katie, I said, I'm quitting this job. I can't do it. She said, no, just hold out. And so I... I, pray, I I told God, I said, Lord, if you want me to be in the ministry, just settle my heart. And and he did that day. 
um, settled it. And then last year I called you. I said, hey, uh, I'd like to be part of this ministry. I suffer from PTSD from combat and stuff like that. And I think two or three times talking, you said, all right, we'll take you. Um, and then that summer, you're like, can you move to Indiana? I said, yeah. And so that's it. We moved, jumped both feet in and haven't looked back. Wow. That was a lot in a short period of time, but it was good. And, and, but I, what I want to do is I want to go back. I think there's a lot that, that you said in there that can help those listening and, and, you know, bereavement, uh, the loss of a loved one, like losing your dad, it's just terrible. And right. uh, so, so now how many siblings do you have brother? Just kind of get an idea of, do, do you have any siblings? I have one full sister that was, uh, she lived with me when dad passed away. Okay. And then I have, uh, three half siblings. Um, yeah, they're older and one younger. And, uh, so we moved uh, to Connecticut with my mom and my younger sibling. Oh, okay. All right. And so, uh, yeah. So were you there when your dad passed away, brother Zach? Uh, well, I remember this distinctly, um, after he did chemo and then he like chemo was horrible. It's still horrible. Um, but he just whittled away. Like his cheeks were sunk in. He was just basically just a skeleton. Yeah. And, um, so they put him in hospice at a nursing home or, um, a terminal place, I remember going to visit him. He he couldn't really do much. Um, we lived with my aunt at the time, aunt and uncle. And uh, the night before he passed away, I remember him saying, I love you, Bubby. And we gave him a hug and we left. And then that next morning at 4.20 in the morning, the exact time that he woke up, something just came over me. When I woke up, I thought I was late for work. And I looked at the clock. I said, it's only 4.20 in the morning. So I went back down to bed. And um, I woke up at like 10 o'clock. And I knew I was late for work. And I run downstairs. And our pastor was down there with my aunt and uncle. And they're all crying. And then I knew something was wrong. But, yeah, I just saw him go from he was healthy. And then the chemo just ate him away. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. And so after that. Did did you experience the you know like rest issues, physical problems? I mean, were you nightmares? Well, I, was, I was definitely depressed. Yeah, because um, when we moved, it was March and school was still going on. I didn't go to school for a whole month. Like my mom didn't register me because I wouldn't do anything. And then um, I don't know, not so much nightmares then, but I kept thinking about it and thinking about it, and then. Um, as a junior in Connecticut, as 16, you can join fire departments as a junior member. And so I did that because I think I needed the father role in my life. And there was a lot of older, wiser men at the, the fire department. So I did that. Yeah. So and, now, so now do you, uh, what city were you in in Connecticut? What town? Oh, well, Niantic, oh. East Line. Yeah, yeah. I know that very well. Sure. Sure. Wow. Wow. So you come out of that. And so now did you know Katie before you left for Connecticut or did you meet her when you got back and you moved back? No, I did. Uh, she was a senior when I was a freshman. 
Okay. And so we, I ran track and she ran track. And so, and our school was only maybe 200 people total. Yeah. So, so it was a real small school and everyone knew everyone. Yeah. So you definitely knew each other. Yeah. 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 So now let's go back to the army. So you join the army, you get on to Fort Sill, uh, you learn how to fire artillery at the enemy and things of that nature. You get stationed at probably the most deployed base. I think it is. Yeah. I think the most deployed division in the United States army for the last three decades has been Fort Drum has been the 10th mountain division and you deploy now. I mean, what was that like with a young family just getting married and stuff? I mean, what, what, you know, just so we can understand this, what, what does that feel like? Well, it was crazy. It was like, I always joke when I preach about, cause I say that we've been married for this year will be 16 years, but since I was deployed three times, only 12 years together or whatever, yeah. cause we were, we were gone, but it was, it was surreal. Um, they say the first year of marriage is the worst. Well, it's even more worse when you're in Afghanistan or separated. Yeah. But being 19, I mean, that's a lot of responsibility too, to, yeah, to take on at once. And I mean, when my dad got sick, I, I became, I don't know, I was the one driving everyone around and, and taking on that responsibility and stuff. But being 19 in a different country, for the first time and like and then hearing the jets take off and and rockets going off like it just hits you and and that was rough um communication especially back in 2006 was not very often because we were really just i mean it was five years into the war but still we were all spread out and everything it was hard being and, able to make that phone call home and stuff yeah and plus the eight time and a half difference. hour time difference <laughs> yeah. and yeah yeah i mean so you're getting always, off of work and and yeah 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 I mean, it was always just difficult. waking up yeah and we found out the best way was email because you can send an email and then open it and instead of trying to stay up until one o'clock in the morning or or whatever yeah um so it's definitely hard um because Op operation security you can't talk about what's going on over there and then yeah opsec yeah and then it's hard to know what's going on back home too so uh, it was it was really difficult but looking back the lord um brought us through it and i the sending church gave me a army bible and it was the last thing i packed in my rucksack when i went on missions and i always had it bookmarked at psalm 91 that was my Oh, wow. That was my go-to. Stephanie's memory stuff there. Yeah. Just, right, yeah. So I don't want to bring it up with her because I know how. As the bullets fly. Uh, no, she should be good with that now. You know, yeah. God will take care of the bullets that fly and the things of those things. And wow. And so uh, I really clung to that. And and it was good. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And And so what is it you think? Was it the, do you remember a distinct in that first tour, do you remember a distinct thing that happened that, you know, that somebody got killed, someone got hurt, craziness? Do you remember something specific from that first tour? Well, yeah. Um, so in the Army, there's there. I was in the uh, CAV unit. So usually CAV units are mounted, but we weren't because we were the northest um, part of Afghanistan, right next to Pakistan and China. And 
so I remember my first actual mission with my platoon, they said, we're going to air assault into a valley close to where um, the lone survivor uh, Operation Red Wings took place. And I, me being 19 years old, just out of basic training in AIT, I said, I'm not aerosol qualified because I didn't know exactly what they meant. I didn't know they were going to land and let us off. When I think aerosol, I think of fast roping down yeah. ropes and like Black Hawk Down style. I'm like, they're like, no, we're going to land. So, so we did that. And the, I remember the Sergeant Major, because we were going to help out a sister battalion. The Sergeant Major said, expect to take casualties because the people that were going in, like to, to help, um, they're they're rough fighters and they'll they and the enemy uh, tries to kill you until they die he said expect to see your friends get shot and i'm like oh my goodness and so the second or third day um i was probably five feet from my buddy and we didn't get shot but we got shot at and you could see the tracers going and tracer rounds going in between us and hitting the the trees and stuff around us. So that was kind of creepy. And then on my 20th birthday, we got in a uh, two and a half hour firefight with probably 40 or 50 enemy fighters. And it was just crazy RPGs and and stuff. But um, through that whole thing, none of us got shot in combat or whatever, but we did get injuries from falls and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think just to explain Zach a minute ago said, you know, most folks in the cab are, are mounted. So in other words, mounted to vehicles or mounted, you know, where you could pull things around and Zach was explaining that his position was more of a permanent type of uh, weapon that, you know, you would drag in and you would set up on the ground there and use over and over again. Um, So it'd be a bigger, actually uh, the term, rocket or something or projectile it would be uh uh, you know you were really locked down and being able to zero in on things so you got to get an idea of what zach's seeing he's going 19 year old kid he's in afghanistan he pakistan's right down the road who doesn't love us who they don't love us and and uh, and then the folks in china don't love us and so uh, and then you're dealing with the folks in afghanistan trying to kill them so you can get an idea of what a lot of military people go through you're 19 you're married uh, your wife's back home things are upside down and and so that takes Zach to his first tour. I think I want to continue this on tomorrow's podcast, but I wanted to give you an idea. So, you know, as you look at these military people, you get an idea of real people like Zach, you know, 19, married his high school sweetheart, coming back, deploying. You know, you go for 10 months, you end up being going 14, very little communication. You're shooting projectiles at people. People are trying to take you out. And so that finishes up his first tour. But I want to talk about when he got home. I want to head into this tomorrow. So come on back tomorrow to hear the rest of uh, Zach's testimony and figure out uh, just what our military men and women are going through. We sure do love you folks. Listen to every word old brother Eric's got to say about knowing for sure you're saved. There's nothing more important to us. May God bless you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth, and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at woundedspirits.com.